Hola! Welcome to this week's episode of the Kenton League podcast. Another first for this, as, as half of the show is being recorded from Spain. That's where I, John Phipps, am this week. But of course, I still wanted to bring you a podcast. Unfortunately, the Kenton League pod- podcast budget of zero means I was unable to fly Matt Gerard out to join me, but he's still on the line now. Matt, I hear the weather at home is absolutely filthy. It hasn't been, well, yesterday was terrible. Today hasn't been too bad. It's Wednesday, but next week it's going to be cold. So when you get off that plane with your uh, shorts on, your Bermuda shorts, thinking uh, back at home, you'll be one of those tourists and things. That's a poor decision. So recommendation to you is to wrap up warm when you're coming home. Well, the things is we get in quite late on Saturday night anyway, so it's going to be nearly midnight. It's not going to be pleasant. I hope I've got enough de-icer in the car because that's going to be quite chilly, I'd imagine. I think about minus five or six or something. It's, it's getting really cold, so yeah, but uh, yeah, we know. we're tough, aren't we? So, yeah, being a football reporter, we know what cold is. Well, funny enough, that's where I was going to head, because there has been a bit of debate lately about the coldest place to watch football in Kent. Now, as a journalist, and people don't realise this, but you often get the added bonus of after the game, when everyone else has gone to the nice warm bar, having to wait for even longer in the cold to get interviews from managers and players as they come by. Um, For me, Ramsgate, where I was 11 days ago, is an excellent contender for the coldest place in Kent. It's cold there in August. I've never understood why, but it's always freezing. But Matt... Where's the coldest place you've watched football in Kent? Uh, I've seen a few. Thamesmead's pretty cold. Uh, <laughs> that wind sort of comes off of that. Of course, somebody used to call gravel, ice station gravel when it got a bit cold. And I was at the game yesterday at about eight o'clock. I said, well, oh, it's not too bad. But then about half eight, the temperature drops and your, your feet start turning into blocks of ice and your fingers start getting a little bit numb at the end. So uh, I, do, I, do, I do. When I think when the season starts, when I turn up in August with my shorts on and um, sort of wandering around, and you think, oh, this, this is the life. And then when it gets to November, December, you really think, oh, sort of dream of August again. But it adds character, I think, um, watching football in the cold. So um, it's very easy to, you know, be a fair weather, fair weather supporter, no pun intended. But no, sweet. that's why we love football. Doesn't matter, come thirty degrees or minus thirty degrees, I'd still be there watching. I reckon if it gets to minus 30, we might have some games called off. That's just my opinion. But <laughs> Maybe not on the 3G, but we won't go down that route again. <laughs> it's our 30th episode this week, or episode 30, if you will. Um, and as I typed the script last night, Lionel Messi had just scored for Barcelona in the game that I was watching in Spanish. As it was either that, some documentary about the, the comedy programme, and I use that term very loosely, Benidorm, or that dating thing with Michael Thalassitis. So I definitely made the right choice watching that game last night. But anyway... Not it's still quite. Did they go goal? What he scored like that? It was more a goal, 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 like that. It was, it was, it wasn't just one long one. It was lots, lots of, lots of goals in in quick succession. So something maybe for you to bring into your next commentary at Dover, Matt, perhaps. Definitely, yeah. I think that that will definitely work if we score a goal, 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 goal. There you go. Excellent. Maybe. Brilliant. Maybe. <laughs> um, but anyway, yet again, it's been a busy week in the world of non-league football in Kent. Um, and I'm sure non-league football has never been discussed quite as much on the Costa Blanca as it's going to be over the next half an hour or so. Um, we're going to start this week at the top of the pyramid. Reb's Feet United had a great week. Six points and a brilliant new signing. It was back in November that Matt described Corey Whiteley as possibly the best player in the National League. And now he's swapped Trouble Dagenham for Stonebridge Road. That's a real signal of intent, isn't it, Matt? That's a, that's a really good side. We mentioned that Dagenham have got financial difficulties. Their backer has, has pulled out and absolutely were supposed to be in for cheek as well. Another good player for Dagenham. But Corey Whiteley, reading between the lines, that said that Dagenham turned down a League One club in the January transfer window. 
Epsley have spent you know, a decent five-figure fee on Whiteley. He, he, he is a very, very good player. He can play out wide, he can play centrally, he's got good feet, he, and he causes teams problems. So, um, I see Dale McMahon previously said that there wasn't as much money there as, um, as it previously were before. Maybe he was keeping his um, powder dry a little bit, waiting for the right player, but Cora Whiteley is a good signing for Epsley. And I think, you know, some of the players they've got there got a good mixture of youth and experience and players who can go on to a higher level. So it's an exciting signing for Epsley. You know, he rewarded him with a goal on his debut and three wins on the spin. And previously, Dale McMahon saying they, they wouldn't be able to get into the playoffs. And I think they're sniffing a bit now. I remember when I was looking up, when we, t- when we talked about Corey Whiteley, it was actually just after Dover had played Dagenham was when we were discussing him. Um, and I remember looking him up on Twitter at the time and his Twitter handle is at stepover7. Now, that is a very confident young footballer, I would suggest. Yeah, he's played in lower non-league and he's got that ability to sort of, when you, you know when it's a player, you're standing looking to go past the man and he's step over that little burst of pace to go past players. So, absolutely, have got some good attacking players like that, the likes of, Coulson as well, and they've got the defensive players in Rance and Payne, and Adam Drury, another good player from there. So it's a really good sign. I think a lot of teams in the National League would have liked to take um, Corey Whiteley and obviously put their money where their mouth is, and that's a good signing. And could it be the signing that pushes them into the playoffs? That's uh, an interesting one, and I presume there's after another couple of players. Then Cheek, maybe have Billy Ricky sniffing around Cheek, but he's decided to stay as well, and it'll be interesting to see. Maybe him at the, his position is staying is maybe he feels that at the end of the season, if he's out of contract, I don't know what his contract situation is, he probably could have a choice of National League and maybe Football League clubs as well. But uh, yeah, good stuff for um, uh, Epsleet. They've got some big games coming up now, but they're running into form right at the right time. Well, yeah, indeed. On the pitch, there'll be FC Halifax on Saturday before Danny Kedwell's brace saw off Woking on Tuesday night. And now, all of a sudden, they're just two points outside the playoffs. One of three teams on 52 points who are breathing down the neck of Dover. And very quickly, Matt, we were, I remember saying a few weeks ago there was a chance Ebb Street season could just tail off. But they have put a run together and, and Dover are looking vulnerable now. We'll, we'll come on to them and, and their win at the minute. But it's very tight there, isn't it? Yeah, it is very tight at the top of the table. You think Macclesfield's result last night, maybe that's opened it up at the top, but defeat to Tranmere brings Tranmere back into the situation as well of being into into the playoff mix. Or maybe you thought they'd go up a little bit more. So it, it is tight there. Um, some big games coming up now. Bromley, of course, are going to not play this weekend. So um, you think of the, the games that are coming up, maybe I'm thinking the top 10 are the sides now that will be going for the playoffs if they're going to get try and get into seven positions. But Epsley got some uh, difficult games on paper, but they're running into form. And I think if they can strengthen the squad again, a lot of being Danny Kebwell, good player at this level. You know, he scored more goals this season than he did last season. I think it was his first goals in a while on Saturday, um, Tuesday night. But I think if they can get some backup to him as well, they've let the strikers go out this season. And McQueen's been injured as well. That could add a little bit of firebat. The defence seems to look tight, particularly with the keeper, who is one of the best keepers in this division. Mm. Well, talking of Dover then, Chris Kinnear's men lost by the odd goal in five on Saturday as they went down at Solihull. They got back on track with a much needed three points over Dagenham on Tuesday night. Mitchell Pinnock scored the only goal. And here's Mitchell Pinnock to talk, talk us through that game. Alongside me, uh, David Matchman and Mitch Pinnock. Uh, it's a big three points for you and a lovely goal for yourself. 
Yeah, massive three points. That's more important than my goals, to be fair, but it's always nice to score them sort of goals. So, yeah. You don't see a red kick outside the penalty area very often. And again, can you talk us through it? Uh, well, I've got behind Birdie. To be fair, Rumbley, I said to my mate earlier, uh, I was going to score a five kick there, and he was like, oh, yeah, I bet you do. And then it's set up perfect, so I just thought I'd go for it. And the keeper, uh, he was a little bit on his line, and it looks even better when he sort of just chops over his head as well. Yeah, I don't. To be fair, I didn't really know where it went. I turn around and just see it loop in. I heard Birdie shout, "Oh my!" behind me. So yeah, it was always good to see it going back of the net. But you now you can see the, the final whistle. How important the three points was for the team as well, because it's been a bit of a difficult spell the last few weeks. Yeah, I thought we've been quite unlucky lately. Just a few silly mistakes that have uh, cost us the game. But today we all stuck together and proved that we are a good side and we should be up there. And yeah, it was good that we uh, held out to win the game. Yeah, defensively, it's been an issue today, uh, the last few weeks. But today, you ground out people throwing the, the ball, to, uh, the bodies on the line as well, which is good to see. Yeah, you see how much it meant to everyone. Everyone was doing last-ditch blocks and uh, thought our clearances were a lot better today, which helped us. So, yeah, hopefully we can have more of the same for the rest of the season. Uh, you're back into the playoff positions now as well. So, is that psychologically a boost for you back into seventh place? Uh, yeah, so we always just go about it, not really worrying about anyone else. But yeah, it's always good to be back in there. On a personal point of view as well, you know, you're playing regular games since August. Do you think you've improved as a player in that time? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think I've scored four, four and five now the last few games, and just feel like I'm getting better every game, and hopefully it can continue for the rest of the season. So do you think you, this is a big season for you as a individually as well because you didn't play a lot of games on the bench last season, but now you come in and now you're one of the first teams, first names on the team sheet. Yeah, I always had a point to prove. I knew start of the season, and I didn't want it to be the same as the others. So I always knew that I was good enough to to be playing, but now hopefully Chris has seen that as well so yeah it's good did you do anything different in the summer to work on your fitness or anything to get back into the team or you just kept on work, working hard yeah I just kept working the same as what I was and I've been given my chance and yeah hopefully I've taken it or I have taken it so. um, was it as close as it sounds that one Matt um, Dover uh, a bit of genius to win the match a lovely goal from Mitch Pinnock who's really come into his own scored some spectacular goals um, yeah Dover uh, Dagenham started the game pretty well. Dover really held him at bay. He didn't create too many chances until the last 10 minutes as Dover's won. They sort of sat back a little bit, but Dover had chances during the game to to, to kill them off. They couldn't get that second goal, which has been a problem of, them of late. But uh, a, a good three points. And more pleasing probably is the performances. Liam Bellamy coming into the side. I thought he had a good game. Had a little bit of steel in midfield and he, he sort of pushed the um, opposition back so they would get more players forward, which is Good to see. And defensively, they look solid. People putting their bodies on the line. Recently, the defence has been a little bit standoffish, I think, to play and let players go past them pretty easily. But they're putting bodies on the line now. And maybe the signing of Kevin Locko is the three centre-halves who are basically undroppable, I think, for Dover, the squad they've got. Maybe they've got the kick up the backside they needed by Kevin Locko coming in. That's all. We better um, work it out, pick up our form, otherwise we could be out of the team. So... A welcome three points, and now they've got to follow it up with the cup against Fylde at the weekend, which is, think about that, uh, they're two po- Dover are two points clear of Fylde, they can beat Fylde, I know, it's a big if, because Fylde are a decent side, they'll be five, um, five points clear of them, with a game in hand as well, so you get into territory, John, and I expect we'll be talking about six pointers, and maybe even 12 pointers come the uh, end of the season, uh, as, you know, next month we're into March, so it's, it's the business end of the season, with only two months of the season remaining. You'll never hear me talking about a 12-pointer. What absolute nonsense that is, Matt. Seriously. Um, I mean, well, there will be a game. You think, oh, this is a 12-pointer. I, I will try and 
bring it into the equation, but there, there is always big games. Now it's the, you know, you are in the last quarter of the season. And it doesn't matter how you perform, it's just getting the results. So it'll be interesting to see how it progresses. And uh, Mitchell Pinnock, I know we've had him on the show before and we talked about him, but, you know, he's been a, a very solid figure for Dover so far this season. He's, he's adding goals. Is he getting better as the season goes on, do you think? Yeah, I think he's probably one of the um, first names down on the team sheet. He had a lot of... Chris Kinnear clearly rated him because he was, he was going to leave at the summer, but they had him on a longer contract, so he had to stay this season. So, And, of course, he didn't start the season... Because Chris Kinnear, sometimes he can let players sit on the bench for a long time. He got his chance and he's played every single game since August Bank Holiday. And he, he, can, he, he hasn't got much pace, but he's, he's got a good passer of the ball and he can score spectacular goals. So and he can whip a good ball in, excellent from a set piece. So, yeah, he, he's, you know, he has potentially made his debut for South End, I think he was 17, 18. He drifted it away a little bit, bulked himself up. But key player for Dover again, if they keep him keep him fit and he's going to cause defensive troubles and I'm sure the way you know he's got nine goals this season now which is not bad for a sort of winger midfielder there may be other sides looking at him as well so it'll be interesting to see what his contract situation is at Dover but yeah he's playing really well and it's pleasing for the lad because you know he's had two years sitting on the bench but now he's he's made the position his own and he's a key player for the Whites. That's interesting because that's not a particularly Chris Kinnear thing to do, is it? Bring a player in, have him around for a couple of years and then put him into the team because most of the players at Dover seem to go out and sign our players for the first team. And Kevin Locko is, is an example of that because, you know, he's a player who did very well at Maidstone and I know there was a bit of disappointment, wasn't there, that he went to Stevenage saying he wanted to play in the league and then was then loaned straight out to Dagenham and now he's out on loan in the National League again. Um, you say the, the three centre-halves are on drop well, that is a massive, massive... Uh, shadow for them to, to get away from, isn't it? Yeah, and Locko's left-sided as well, which adds a little bit more balance to it if they want to do it. Because, of course, Galafuco and, uh, and Parry are right-footed players, so good adding a, a left-sided centre-half. And Chris Kinnear's always like that because you have a Grimes who is a left-sided centre-half and he, he likes the balance. And it may help in a Sammy as well, who's a key player going forward for David Allen down So a lot of it goes down the wing. I mean, you've got Pinnock on the wing as well. Dover could be quite a left-sided side getting the ball into the box. But yeah, Locko's a good signing. Again, Dover have looked, apart from last night, they've had to score two goals to win games because they haven't been haven't been keeping clean sheets. But Locko comes in, pacey centre-half, got until the end of the season. I wouldn't have thought he'll probably play Saturday because because um, doesn't like changing the side. But it's a good option from the bench now, I think. It adds a bit of stability to it. And hopefully they can bring in another player before the weekend as well there. The squad will look a little bit more stronger than it you know, the last sort of 10 days ago. Yeah, and, and obviously we'll talk now about Kevin Locko's former club, Maidstone, and things really aren't looking great for Maidstone. Two more defeats this week, losing 1-0 to Barrow at home and then by the same score at Borenwood on Tuesday night where they also had skipper Stuart Lewis sent off. They're only five points clear of the drop zone. I mean, there's a few places between them and that, but they desperately need to end this appalling run of form, don't they? Yeah, it's... It's really, really interesting what's gone on there. Chase Saunders is trying to change up. He's brought a lot of loan players. It's not really happening for them. Um, against Barrow, the reports I got that Barrow wanted it a bit more than Maidstone. You think they're at the same edge of the table. Just not working out for everything he tries, Jay Saunders. It's not working. They're always going to be tough against Bournemouth because there's enough place to go. They did the hard work, saving the penalty. But then Stuart Lewis is his second red card of the season. So it was two yellows last night. So that's going to be... Um, they get an extra ban, so he's going to be missing two games. And you think, look at their fixtures coming up. Tranmere at home on Saturday, then probably the big one as well. They've got to go to Solihull, 
which is an absolute nine pointer. We won't go twelve pointer yet. A really big game from that point of view for them. So, and they need to get a win from somewhere. Maybe it, it could happen on Saturday because who's going to give them a chance against Tranmere? I know Tranmere got absolutely whipped last night by Macclesfield, but Tranmere have been in the form side of the division, so. Maybe there's going to be no pressure on Maidstone because nobody expects them to beat Tramway. Maybe they can cause an upset, but they need three points from somewhere because when they looked at the table before, I thought, oh, they're, they're going to be all right. They had 39 points for a while. So, But now you think the other sides are catching up. They're only five points outside the relegation zone. Halifax has got a new manager. Hartlepool, you don't really know what their situation is. They've sacked their manager today. You expect Barrow to pick up a few points and then there's Solihull. So, they need, a, they need a couple of wins on the board, Mason. I think they've probably got enough to avoid relegation, but Jay Saunders doesn't want to go into the next few games. Still not. He just wants to... 16 games is a lot of games not to win a football match. And, you know, I think they were third or fourth when they when that when this run started. So, you know, it's disappointing because, you know, the next two games, if they don't get a result there, they'd have gone half the amount of games this season without winning the games, which is, which is very unlike Maidstone. And Jay Saunders looks a little bit under pressure, but sure he can turn it around and maybe Saturday against Tramway where nobody gives him a chance they could do it yeah I, I, I've got very limited access to the internet out here but um I was down one of the local hostelries earlier just to do some research for this obviously and I saw that Paul Ince is apparently the favourite to be the Hartlepool manager that would be a big name in the National League wouldn't it Paul Ince Hartlepool apparently so he's oh, the he's the bookies favourite I don't know it's probably a poison chalice a job you think about the financial difficulties, then maybe they might have to go into administration, which would put them into the um, relegation zone straight away from that point of view. But oh, I don't know why Paul Ince, could he do what he hasn't managed for a few years? I think Hartlepool probably needs somebody who knows the non-league scene if they're going to be um, struggling to try and get some players in. But it's a big club from that point of view. One half of me thinks, just bring back Ronnie Moore. He knows his level a little bit from working with Eastley. He was going to be a hero a couple of years ago. I'm sure the fans would relate to him. I think I'd probably be more pleased if I was a Harley fan for a full fan if he got Ronnie Moore in rather than Paul Ince. That's a strange one there, but uh, would you be putting your mortgage on that? Paul Ince taking it? No, I, w- I wouldn't. I- I'd be very surprised. But then I, I sometimes think that, you know, there's got he's got to be up there for a reason. You know, it's not just like a... Uh, uh, things just been thrown out there, and I, I literally just saw a tweet very quickly, and I wasn't even re- really aware they'd, they'd changed the manager, but that was what I saw. Anyway, um, that just leaves us from a Kent point of view with Bromley, who were denied a win at Aldershot deep into stoppage time on Tuesday night, having lost one 0 at Tranmere at the weekend. But for them, focus now has to switch to the FA Trophy. With this Saturday, they'll be flying the flag for the whole county when they host Spennymoor in the last eight. Spoke about this tie a few weeks ago, but the time is now for Neil Smith's men. The trophy's got to be a huge priority for them now, and it definitely isn't going to be an easy tie, but they've got to start favourites, haven't they, Matt? I think it is. Spenny Moore could promote it into the, their conference north, aren't they? I think Spenny Moore. So, um, if, it's a good it's a good result. Again, Tranmere, they should have got a result from all the shot. They were seconds away of picking up a really good three points would have put them into the, uh, the playoff zones. Spenny Moore, the only thing that I can think stopped probably it's probably themselves if they get a little bit complacent about spending more. Spending more, what a run they had. I think spending more have actually won the FA Vars recently. I think the sides who've come from the Northern Leagues and into the decent level that they are. So, they're good, decent cup side and they've done really well to get this far. But Bromley really got a good chance to, to win this. There's only, I think there's only going to be, if Bromley win, there's only going to be one other National League side in the competition because Lake Norrin and Gates are playing each other. So, if they can... 
dip result on Saturday and maybe avoid the winners of that tie, they're going to be favourites to get to Wembley. The competition really comes into its own now. Fingers crossed that Neil Smith's side are not on the end of a, a cup shock here. If they treat the games as they've done when they went to Bishop, Stalkland, Bishop Auckland and they went live Spartans as well, treated the game with the respect and the opposition that they deserve, I fully expect Bromley to be in the uh, hat on Monday for the uh, semi-finals of the trophy and dreaming of the Twin Towers or whatever it's called these days. I think actually, and I'm, I'm putting my neck on the line here and I'm prepared to get some stick on, on Twitter if I'm wrong, but I think it was Spennymore who beat Tunbridge Wells in the Vars final and that was 2013, so that just shows the progress they've made as a club. Well, it's, it's, it's amazing, I think. It's a hot better football up in the in the northeast from that point of view and maybe that was a, you know, you can see how well Spennymore have gone to but up on the period of Tunbridge work, Tunbridge was really haven't really moved on since that FA Vars defeat from there. So yeah, it's 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 a big time. Bromley have just got to take it seriously. They've got the players, they've got experienced players, um, and Neil Smith's very experienced at this level. I think he may have been involved with Woking got to the trophy final all those years ago when he was playing. I was definitely would have been involved in their cup runs. So use that experience. Spending more, nothing to lose, maybe. But they've got a good chance, probably, and fingers crossed they can do it. Yeah, in the league this weekend, as you already said, Dover go to Fylde, Ebbsfleet go even further to maybe Paul Ince's Hartlepool and Maidstone welcome Tranmere to the Gallagher. Um, but it's a special day for Chris Kinnear this weekend, Matt, isn't it? Yeah, Chris Kinnear, um, um, his 1500th game as manager, so he's nearly nine on 900 um, games for Dover and he did have a 608 for Margate. So, yeah, fantastic achievement. I think it's 32 years ago. Uh, so he didn't know that he was doing a 1500, but I spoke to him yesterday and we'll try and get a, that interview on the, on the pod next week and he, he thinks he can go on for a, a lot, lot longer as well. He's still got the hunger for it. So, yeah, fantastic achievement when you think we've got the likes of Neil Cugley and Chris Kinnear. How, you know, how many years have they been on a touchline managing teams? But Chris Kinnear's been very successful and he's hungry for more. Fair play to him, 1,500 games. There's not many people in the Football League who've managed that amount. So, um, 32 years of management, 1,500 games. And what a great reward it would be if they could pick up three points against Fylde on Saturday. Yeah, it would be absolutely fantastic and good, and good luck to Dover up there. And we will have that interview next week with Chris Kinnear when I can actually listen to things and put them uh, on properly while I've got proper internet connection. Um, yeah, they're the struggling top... in Spain with internet, are they? Well, um, no, it's, it's normally all right, to be honest, but um, my mother-in-law, uh, bless her, whose, whose apartment we're in, uh, although it's now actually my girlfriend's uh, apartment, obviously, sadly, um, she was very much... Um, not a fan of, of internet and things like that. So we haven't actually got internet in, in this place. I can go down the pub and get it. Um, but fortunately, because of um, the roaming now, I can actually use my data over here without incurring massive costs. So that's quite helpful. How are you coping without internet? If you didn't Really, that's crazy, isn't it? It's okay. I, I can cope, and I think it's quite nice actually for the, for the other half that I'm not actually glued to my phone all the time. So um, <laughs> I'm doing a lot of reading and things like that. So that's quite good. Um, Dartford are top of National League South by three points again after their two-one win at Wheelstone. But Wellington also winners beaten St Albans three-one. Um, Darts will be out for revenge against the Truro side who beat them back in November thanks to a couple of really early goals, if I remember rightly. Um, while Welling travel to Concord which is also an interesting game the first time they met. I was at that one. Welling coming from 2-0 down to lead 3-2 before a stoppage time goal and the visit is a point. And, you know, Dartford, it's, just, it's the same thing. Nothing seems to change in that league, does it? Apart from who's breathing down their neck. Chelmsford have had a couple of good results and now they're one of the teams that are just behind them. And, and it still hasn't settled down the National League South, has it? 
No, but you know, how important were those last minute, last five minute goals for Dartford as well? I see they dropped down Ibrahim, which was a big call from um, Tony Berman in that game, putting a, a goalkeeper, a German born goalkeeper who was from Fulham apparently. So I mean, they've, they've worked well with Fulham goalkeepers before because they had Bettinelli one year and he was an outstanding goalkeeper, still heavily involved at Fulham from that. So that was a big call from Tony Berman because he's been a, a key part of their progress there in Ibrahim, but he took him out the firing line. Um, interesting to see how that goes from there. But that's a big, big three points against Wilson, who are a decent side. But again, they've got to be careful having Chelmsford sides on that. So it'll be tough. Truro, I think they were 2 up the weekend and lost 3 2. So they've got some form and they expect to do well. You know, you know my love for the, the uh, Truro from doing my work at BBC Radio Cornwall. They had some good players, I think, there. So uh, another big game, but they're, they're always going to be big for Dart for now. When you're top of the table, teams want to fire you off from the top, really. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's drop down a few leagues now and head into the Southern Counties East League. Um, before we get into the on-the-pitch action, Beckham Town briefly knocked Seven Oaks off the top spot last week without even kicking a ball. You may remember a few weeks ago when Rochester United were unable to field a team, well, the league committee decided to award the match to the visitors. Personally, I was expecting Rochester to be punished but still have to play the game. I don't know how you saw that one, Matt. That is a strange one. Why? Well, I expected the... To them to lose points, Rochester, for not feeling you might lose three points. And I think the president's higher up here is that yeah, you could lose three points, but you would have to play the fixture again. So um, I don't know if, it, if the scaffolds had precedence from this point of view, uh, if anything's happened before. But, but from a Rochester point of view, um, I think it's a disappointing thing. A, well, we can't field a team. We're not going to lose any points from it as well, really. Okay, I'm not. I'm not saying they should be fine the club, but they should probably. The normal thing is that you would lose points, so they haven't really, just they haven't really lost anything from the game. Maybe they would have lost the game anyway, but for not turning up, they haven't been punished. If, if you see where I'm coming from. And- Absolutely, yeah, I do see where you're coming from, but uh, you know, I, I think it's a strange one. You know, I, I think you know Rochester obviously had their problems that week, and and we certainly don't want to see them fined, and necess- not necessarily we don't want to see them losing losing points. I mean, they're already in a pretty perilous state at the bottom of the league, but I can't believe that that game is not being replayed. It just doesn't make any sense to me that Beckenham have just been awarded three points. It wasn't as if Beckenham turned up on Saturday at three o'clock and Rochester weren't there. You know, they. It was called off quite early in the day, and so I was very surprised um, when I read last week that that that, that was the case. That Beckenham had just been given the points, um, but they didn't really take advantage of it because on the field Saturday was a cracking day for Seven Oaks. They bounced back from their defeat to Erith with a four 0 win over Deal, and all the others around them failed to win. Beckenham lost at home to Tunbridge Wells. Bottom of the league, Collins and Blair held Crober one one, and it was the same score at the Belmont between Whitsmore and Lordswood. And that meant Oaks returned to the top on goal difference before their scheduled game with Corinthian on Tuesday night was rained off. They've still got three games in hand. Surely now, we said this last week and then they let us down, but surely now Seven Oaks Town can push on. Yeah, I think we, yeah, I remember uh, checking my phone and we, we said that we recorded the pod on the Wednesday, or well, Tuesday, didn't we? Yeah. And, oh, yeah, they're going to win the league now. And then they, they lost. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's a, you know, Whitstable drawing and disappointing result um, for them where Crowborough drawing as well Seven Oaks you know disposing of um, Deal as well you thought that's you know it should be where they should be now they've got a good chance to go ahead now get that defeat out of the way they've three, got three games in hand level on points with uh, Beckham and Whitstable you know seven points clear of them with the same amount of games 
really is theirs to throw away now. Maybe they've had that blip there, and maybe they kick up the backside they needed with that defeat last week. But you can't see them throwing it away from from this position, I don't think, because they 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 want to be in the position. They want to be in the league above. Now they've just got to see it through with these remaining games. They're going to have, they're playing thick and fast. We've still got 15 games to go, so I'll be playing a few midweek games with all the cup competitions this league can bring up to cancel um, games. But yeah, surely. Seven Oaks. If I wasn't going to put it on my mortgage last week, or I did, I should be putting it on my mortgage now. This week they're going to win the league. There you go. Um, Corinthian had won at Glebe on Saturday, while Chatham lost at Cray Valley. Russell drew with Irith and Rochester held Sheppey United 2-2. That just seems with Canterbury City, who continue their good league form with a 5-0 home win over AFC Croydon Athletic. That and the fact that it's now been announced the City will be playing at Faversham next year was enough for me to decide to give manager Ben Smith a call. And we started by talking about that win over AFC Croydon. Yeah, that's right. We've, uh, we've fantastic there. Um, you know, 5-0. To be honest, we've really flattered them. Um, we played them last, well, not last Saturday, Saturday before. Um, we were down to ten men for long spells in the game. We drew one all, um, and it was a quite a feisty game up there. To be honest with you, um, their supporters sort of uh, left a lot to be desired in terms of sportsmanship. Um, when our player was injured uh, in front of them, quite quite badly injured. Um, so yeah, we really, you know, the lads were really up for it. You know, felt they owed them one, um, and yeah, we. Yeah, we really sent them home packing, really. Um, long drive to Croydon after that was, I can't see that was very pleasant. Um, but yeah, it was a shame we missed a, a few simple chances early on because the, the scores could have been, a, you know, a really big statement. Uh, although 5 0 to be fair, against a side that was sixth in the table, you know, you can class that as a statement uh, for sure. I think things as well, I mean, I, as well as scoring goals, you've stopped conceding them. Apart from in the Sheppey game, you're keeping a lot of clean sheets at the moment. Yeah, I mean, we've we've had a much much more settled side, really. Uh, we had we had a little spell where where we weren't particularly uh, picking up points. Uh, I think it was Chatham away, maybe a couple of months ago. Um, we were absolutely dismal, um, and since then, really, you know, we've we've moved a few players on. Uh, the squad's more settled, and you know, we've we've sort of uh, given we gave the players an ultimatum, really, that they either show they want to they want to be here and they want to work hard, uh, or they can go no matter who they are, no matter what reputation they've got. And, and maybe earlier in the season, we were we were blinded by players that had a good reputation, that have you know, been at Ryman clubs, uh, and expect that to really, you know, to make a big difference when they drop down. Well, actually, it's the uh, it's the, the application they show that's, you know, it's, it's going to determine how well we do as a side and, you know, um, whether they stay inside nowadays. Um, so that, that shift from us and, you know, learning, you know, from a young manager's point of view, learning uh, those things, um, I think it paid dividends over the last couple of months. One thing I did like to see the other week was that you had a, a team with so many players either f- born in or living in Canterbury. And, and that's key for a club like Canterbury, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we, the fact that we're, we don't play in Canterbury, uh, we play in Deal, um, you know, it makes it hard to attract players to the club. Um, you know, players don't want to be coming from Sittingbourne uh, or further afield there and, and coming to coming to deal to play for Canterbury City. Um, so we've we've got to we've got to you know try and pick more local based players and and going back to what I said about you know a couple of months ago we were we were horrendous at, at, at Chatham and I looked around and I thought actually who who really you know is hurting by that performance you know and I questioned the players afterwards you know. You know who would be going home and having a sleepless night over that? Because I know I will be. Um, because I'm, I'm from Canterbury. Uh, I played for Canterbury, 
but some of them I, I just knew they wouldn't. Um, and recently we've brought in some players you know, back to the club that you know, started their, their sort of uh, senior football at Canterbury City, um, like Jamie Max did. And you can see there, you know, there's that passion for the club, a desire to do well for the club. Um, yeah, so that's yeah, that's been a been a real positive to us really. Um, and also bringing in some young players from the area that you know are desperate for an opportunity at men's football. They've got that hunger and desire to, to do well for the club. And you say, obviously, you're at deal at the moment, but next year you're going to be at Faversham, and that seems to me from the outside to be a really positive move, nice place to play football, and a lot closer to Canterbury. Yeah, that's I say that's massive for us. Um, that it was, you know, it was touch and go really whether we'd be able to get a move away from Deal, and it's it's you know it's kind of hard really because Deal is a lovely place. You know, it's a lo- they're lovely people there. They're you know so hospitable. Um, the pitch has been excellent. You know, in recent years or years gone by, the pitch at Deal, most people would say it would have been you know very very difficult to play any nice football on. Uh, whereas you know nowadays pitch is you know absolutely superb even at this late stage of the season um so they've done really well there and it's you know it's been a nice place for us to be um however being in Faversham you know you think of the catchment area um for Faversham it's it's a lot easier for people to get to um you think of supporters you know whenever we've played locally we play Whistle Town there will be a fair few in the ground in the crowds um that are ex-Canterbury, you know, supporters. I call them ex-Canterbury supporters because they're, you know, they're the ones that don't want to travel outside. And they, so it's going to be a lot easier for us to uh, to get that sort of support base again. And what's the latest on on getting the move back to actual Canterbury itself? But it's all at the all at the planning stage at the minute. Um, you know, these things can take time. It's frustrating because you know, we hear one minute it's like, well, it's, the planning's going in in the next you know next month, and then it's like, well. We've been told we've got to go back and uh, work on something that's you know uh, it's been advised by the council to you know, to sit, to ensure that it gets its uh, approval. Um, so there's lots of to and fro at the moment, um, which is frustrating because you know we you know we feel like we're very close to it, um, but then suddenly we have to change something. But we're we're in a we're at a stage that we've not been at before. Um, you know, we've got the money; it's not a case of us you know, hunting around for money. We've got the site. Um, but obviously, it's a, you know, the complex nature of, uh, of big planning projects. Um, you know, obviously, we're going to have uh, some some delays on that, and that's that's what we've had really. Um, but still, the projection is that we have one season at Faversham, and, and then we're we're home, as it were. You're like uh, every other club, I would imagine, in, in the sort of position that you are in the Southern Counties East League this season. That you want to finish well and then really hit the ground running next year. And I suppose. For you, for Canterbury City as a club, to be back in the or to be in the Ryman or the Bostick League when you're back in Canterbury would be absolutely huge, wouldn't it? Absolutely. I mean, you look what happened to Maidstone. You know, they they were languishing in in the Ryman League and, and suddenly back back home. You know, it's just a it's that momentum that that can create. Um, don't get don't get me wrong. Maidstone might be a different case because they were still getting huge crowds. Um, you know, when they were at Sittingbourne um, or where, when they were at Ashford, they were still getting good crowds there um, and that's just sort of snowballed. So hopefully, you know, going back to Faversham is going to just be the start of, of that snowball effect for us, really. Uh, but ultimately, if you're successful on the pitch, more people are going to go and watch it. Um, and, that, you know, and that's down to me and, you know, the coaching staff and, you know, and the players to make sure that we get it right. Um, and, and to be fair, we've, we've had some good players this season. Um, and we haven't quite got it right. And just, you know, over the last 
last couple of months, we just feel it feels like things are you know really stepping into place. I mean, the Sheppey result aside, you know we've been one of the form sides in the league. Um, so you know we'll take a lot from that. But at the end of the day, um, we've got to be doing it consistently. We're going to be you know sort of up there competing with the likes of Whitstable and Sevenoaks. And Ben Smith there, Matt spoke really well as he did when we had him on the show before, and you know some really interesting things there. And I think I know we're we're starting in February, but next season scaffold sounds like it's going to be absolutely brilliant, doesn't it? It does, and I did like the way he said that he looked into some of these players' eyes, and when when they lost matches, he didn't think the fire was in their belly. It shows what a passion he has as being a player for Canterbury and what he wants to do. Canterbury is Canterbury a hot better football. Probably not, but but when I since I've been younger, they you know they played at Longmead. Um, wasn't the greatest ground in the world because you had the greyhound track there, so it was always a bit difficult to track people. But there's a lot of people who live in Canterbury. If they can get back to a decent uh, facility with the ground, that sounded promising from what you said in the interview as well. There's no reason why. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you put it right. Either. They might not going to turn into Maidstone by getting two thousand every week, but if they can build that up, build the community around that. There's no reason why Canterbury can't be um, a, a decent, uh, positive South club from that point of view. And I like the way he was talking there. And he seems to be confident. He's got players that he likes who are passionate for the club. And that's and that level of football, that's half the battle, you see. You've probably seen players jumping from club to club to club. Uh, and it's probably, you know, he's, he's seen that doesn't really work. Results have turned around. Good at home as well. When you think they're playing a deal, they've, only, they've got the best defence, or second best defence in the league at home. So, and that was a good, good result for them as well. And I, I can only see Canterbury, if they get that ground, going one way, which is, which is up through this league, getting the support up and going from there. Fingers crossed. Because, you know, Canterbury, you know, is, is a lovely place. And I think it deserves, a, uh, it's got its cricket, but maybe it deserves a little bit of success on the football pitch as well. Well, Canterbury was always my sort of neck of the woods when I was growing up. I lived in Sturry, just outside there, and I went to school in Canterbury for secondary school. And, you know, th- th- there never has really been that sort of level of, of football. I, I, like you say about Kingsmead, where Canterbury City used to play, was never the sort of place you'd be uh, tempted to go to. I've always preferred going to the dog racing rather than the football there. But I've kind of monitored their progress. I think for a while, when they first sort of reformed, they had a lad who, who I'd gone to school with that was playing for them. So I've, I've always monitored their progress. But there is that potential there. But all the time they're not playing in Canterbury, they're going to struggle to get it through, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. how many years have since well, I said quite long meet earlier at Kingsmead has been knocked down because you know they used to it's a love a night out the dogs have been great great evening out yeah, how long have they been away from that um, part of there and you know that nomadic existence good to see they're going back to um, to Faversham which is not too far easier to get to and good facilities down there yeah why not we want football we want these sides to improve and, and get on and get back to levels seen it with other clubs there's no reason why in Canterbury I don't know many people live in Canterbury but if you market that right and get the right people clearly got the right people around them want to get back to the the, the city they can get uh, from that there and I think, one of, I think Canterbury I don't think I said this before in the poly, Canterbury the city is one of the largest cities that hasn't got a football league team or yeah. high end side I think it's wrong, isn't it? so there's definitely potential there Absolutely, there, there really is potential and I hope it really pans out for them and, and Ben, I thought also what was really nice was the way that you spoke about Deal and saying it was a difficult decision for them to leave Deal and that the pitch has been really good but I think Faversham is, is a really good fit for them and um, you know, it's, it's 
it's closer, it's much easier on public transport as well, which is, is key to them. And if you're a Canterbury fan who likes a beer, you'll certainly be very happy that they're off to Faversham because there's plenty of nice pubs. There's a really nice one actually between the station and the ground, uh, which I like to frequent when I go to Faversham. But uh, there you go. In the league that Canterbury et al have their sights set on the next few years, Craig Wanderers' return to the summit was a brief one. As they lost to Carl Short and Athletic, it's still anyone's guess who's actually going to be in the top two or three at come the end of the season. Um, elsewhere, Hyde continued their good start to life under Sam Denley with a 3 to win at Hastings. There's a lot of talk about that decision to bring Denley in, Matt. But he signed some really good players, Chris Kinnear Jr. included, and they're now only five points outside the playoffs. Yeah, I think uh, Denley, we spoke to him about him, he knows what he wants from a player and he brings in players that he. He likes trust. Hyde always in and around the playoffs, but he's done a very good job from there. But he's helped by a little bit by some of the um, clubs at the top end of the table. We're having a little bit of a wobble. He's had that new manager bounce where he is. And, uh, earlier on, I think when we when, when, when we rejoined, we thought maybe he's got too much on his plate if he can actually get into the uh, into the playoffs. But you look at it now and you think, well, maybe they've got a chance from that point of view. Again, Lewis and Cray. Lewis, you know, McCray have had a little bit of a wobble too in defeats at the last four, maybe from that high up there. Greenwich, we don't know what their position is like with finances. So they've got a good chance. If they keep up that recent form, and always very good at home high. A difficult place to go down at Reachfield. If they can keep that form up, you never know they could get in the playoffs. And that shows the decision to replace uh, uh, the previous manager. Um, uh, Cook would, would, would be would be a, would be a good good decision. I think it was ten points when Denley took over, so he's he's done an absolutely fantastic job so far. And you know, without getting too carried away, but if they continue this run of form and get into those playoffs, gate crash the playoffs, as you might say, their tails are going to be so up, and and you wouldn't bet against them being able to push on and go all the way. They've had heartache in the playoffs the last couple of seasons, so maybe going in through the back door when previous seasons they. Being there pretty much solid from uh, middle of March onwards, it can maybe galvanise them from that point of view. Again, hopefully, we're not putting the kibosh on them from this point of view, but they've got a yeah good chance if they keep up that good form, bring in the quality players he's got, players who probably shouldn't be playing at that level, to be honest. There's no reason why they can't gate cash those playoffs. No, Herton Bay with 3 1 winners in the derby with Ramsgate. Tim Smead beat Ashford United by the same score. And VCD drew 2 2 with Guernsey. Disappointment for Azanodev as his first game in charge at Sitmore and ended in defeat to East Grinstead Town. While Phoenix lost at Horsham and Faversham went down 2-0 at home to Whiteleaf. Uh, this weekend, Ashford hosts Cray, Sittingbourne go to Corinthian Casuals, Herne Bay at East Grinstead, Hythe hosts Horsham, Phoenix take on Leeds Lewis, Ramsgate are home to Molsey, VCD go to Shoreham who had a rare win on Saturday and it's South Park against Faversham. Um, that just leaves us with the Bostick Premier League where on Tuesday night, Matt, Margate could actually have gone top of the league. But their game with Leicester was called off due to a waterlogged pitch. It might have been a false position as Billericke have seven games in hand on Steve's Watts men's, one of which is actually taking place right now at Folkestone. But Margate, what a run of form this has been. Absolutely fantastic. I think seven wins on the bounce. They're not conceding goals. They're grinding wins out as well. And, you know, if someone had said to us at the start of January that in February, if it hadn't been for a waterlog pitch in Suffolk, Margate could have gone top of the league. We'd never have believed him, would we? No, it's a, it's a fantastic run of form. He's done a really good job there, Steve Watts. He's juggled his squad a little bit with the injuries and suspensions, brought in the quality. People like Franny Collin probably doesn't get the credit he deserves. You know, Jadoji's got all the goals, but Franny Collin 
an absolute key player. You know what you're going to get. A really solid, excellent player at that level of football. And I see, when I, as a guy I work with, he's a Margate supporter. You know, and I spoke to him and he said, oh, you know, we, we, we're only, uh, we could have gone top of the table. They've only got six games in hand. They lost on Saturday. And as we speak at quarter to nine now, folks are tuning up against Billericke as well. So, I don't know if Billericke's um, wheels are coming off playing too many competitions here. Or maybe they're risking a few players ahead of the trophy game on Saturday. But, yeah, you never know if Billericke's uh, having a little bit of wobble, Margate finding form. Stranger things can happen in football. But Steve, what, fair play to him. So, Margate, they seem to be on and off the pitch, seem to be um, going in the right direction. And after the problems they've had the last couple of years, that's really good to see. One thing that is interesting is I remember when Orlando Smith was let go by Margate, talking back November, December time, the fans were really disappointed. They were saying this is a really poor decision. You know, they, they loved Orlando Smith, but it was the right decision because he went and, and as part of him going, they were able to bring in Kane Hazeman. And I think he's given them a different dimension and he's really pushed that on. And, and it just goes to show that Steve Watt is not afraid to make the big decisions and it's reaping di- dividends for him. Yeah, I think it's very, you know, I think he probably learned from, from working with Jay Saunders there because Jay Saunders was never shy of making the big decisions of saying and thinking, right, we'll move that player on, get another player in working with your squad, thinking it doesn't work out, we'll make some changes. He's got a core of that side. He's worked well with the goalkeepers he's had as well. The goalkeepers he's brought in have been decent. They've had Lenny Pidgeley, who is a decent goalkeeper. He's had his issues, but managed to bring goalkeepers in who haven't really stopped the you know, the balance of the side because it's very key. key. Steve Watts probably view, you've got a spine down the middle of the side and he's got that there from that point of view. Great, great job. All he's just got to keep doing, maybe not get too carried away, Margaret, but keep, do, keep what you're doing winning football matches and if Villa Ricky are going to implode and they're bringing a lot of players in it's a good chance that Margate can get on that and also keep the form in if Villa Ricky, which I don't think they will implode uh, don't win the league keep it with Margate make sure Margate are in good form going into the playoffs because those playoffs in that division are tough you get a one uh, one is not, not a two-legged one like they did in the previous leagues in their upper leagues one game so it's a one-off time we've seen some shocks in that competition as well besides going out when you come to get as well Dulwich Hamlet their playoff record is absolutely dreadful they get into the playoffs they'll be very very nervous and maybe Margate his record in the playoffs is pretty good if they've got through this level but in the playoffs before maybe they can go and get promoted back to probably where they should be which is Conference South Indeed. Uh, all three of our Bostick Premier League teams won on Saturday and none of them even conceded a goal. Gate were 2 0 winners over Burgess Hill. Folks in it 5 past Wingate and Finchley. And Tumman Jangers won 1 0 at Merston. This weekend, Angels host Met Police. Folks in go to Kingstonian. And Margate are on the road too at Needham Market. All those games, of course, are subject to the weather, though. Um, just finally on Margate, friend of the show, Ryan Day, has announced he's moving on from his role at Hartsdown Park. Now, I've known Ryan for several years and he's an absolutely smashing lad. And I really hope that everything works out for him in the future. And I'm sure you're the same, Matt. Oh, yeah, good up to me. He, he, he's got his own sort of radio show on like Planet FM talking about sports. So, yeah, he's, he's a good lad, Ryan. And fingers crossed that um, he can, uh, wherever he goes on to, he'll always love Margate. That's his first love from that point of view. But uh, he's had a good job and the experience he's had in uh, Margate, probably good for them across his uh, business career as well. He probably learned a lot of things. He probably could write a book on what's been going on at Margate the last couple of years. He certainly could. Well, that's about it for this week's show. Um, uh, massive good luck to Bromley on Saturday. I, I really hope they can get a result. Um, Matt, I don't, where are you this weekend? I- Ikea away again, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I-, I did went Ikea away. They took a lot of fans to Ikea away. I won't be going back again. It was a bit cheeky. A lot of people from Essex there, which is 
a little bit bad. But no, I was there. Yeah, came back with less than I thought I would do. So uh, I think it might be. I think it's going to be a bit cold. So we'll probably take kids swimming or something this weekend. But yeah, filed a little bit um, long way to go. But fair play to Chris Kinnear, fifteen hundred games. So I probably should work out now. how long of your life have you stood on the touchline. 1500 games. If there's a mathematician out there, let us know. But that's a hell of a long time. But fair play to Chris Kinnear, top man, and hopefully you'll really enjoy the interview next week because I really enjoyed doing that with Chris. I don't, I don't know what sort of mathematician you need to be to work out 1500 <laughs> times 90. I'll just use my calculator on my phone when I'm finished talking to you, and then we'll, we'll soon know that. Um, oh, well, we've got 95 minutes, then probably extra stuff. Yeah, you know, you're all right, all right, 10 o'clock. <laughs> we can <laughs> see you on holiday, and you relax it. It's not a holiday. We've been working very hard this week. It's, it's been a, uh, it's been all good. I'm still out of the country in, until late on Saturday night, as you know. But um, and there's not actually many midweek games next week, which is is quite peculiar. But we will definitely get some good content for you next week. And as I say, we will have that Chris Kinnear interview. Um, all that remains to say is thanks as always for listening. Um, apologies that the show's a bit later than normal, but you know it is difficult when when you are uh, without Wi-Fi and, and you know a couple of hours away on a plane. Um, it's been another good show, though. I hope you've all enjoyed it. I hope it was worth the wait. As always, if you've got anything you want to say to us, please get in touch on Twitter at Kent NL Podcast, on Facebook at Kent Non-League. And um, good luck to everyone who's playing this weekend, if you can get your games on, because if it's going to be that cold, I'm expecting to see a lot of postponed matches. Um, but anyway, thank you everyone so much for listening. Or as they say over here, muchas gracias, and we will speak to you all next week. Thank you very much. Bye. Manuel? <laughs>